Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's me, Damien Barr, welcoming you back to another Salon exclusive. Now, today, I just have to get straight in there. We are talking about one of my favourite things in the world, eggs. Yes, you heard that properly, eggs. Many of you will know of my love for the chickens. My chickens right now, by the way, are living with a friend because we've got a fox problem. It's a whole other story, but back to the egg. So this is a book about an egg. It's about a man who wants to die and finds a reason to live when he discovers a large abandoned egg in the forest. But what is the egg? Is there something in it? Is it a newly discovered animal? Is it an alien from a distant world? Is it a figment of the man's imagination? And the man is called Isaac, who, by the way, is lost in grief and seems often unable to remember where he's going or where he's been. So, you know, the idea of this giant egg is sketchy. It is a very original story. It comes straight from the mind of Bobby Palmer, a freelance journalist who you might have read in GQ, Time Out, Esquire, those sorts of places. This is his debut novel. It has the brilliant title, Isaac and the Egg. It's very funny. It's quite surreal. By the way, the egg is two foot tall. Did I mention that the egg is two foot tall? Anyway, honestly, trust me, you're gonna have to get into it here is Bobby Palmer with a reading from his debut novel, Isaac and the Egg. Hello, I'm Bobby Palmer and I'm so excited to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon from my debut novel, Isaac and the Egg. Isaac and the Egg is a book about many things. It's about grief, it's about loneliness, it's about the inability to open up, but it's also about friendship. The main friendship in the book begins on a bridge in the middle of nowhere on one of the worst mornings of our main character Isaac's life. He's screaming his pain away when something screams back. Isaac goes into the woods to find out where the scream came from. This reading is about what he finds. It is an egg. The egg sits resplendent in the middle of the clearing, bathed in a heavenly light, which seems to defy the darkness of the night before it. But then, everything about the scene in front of Isaac defies logic. The clearing itself seems manufactured, perfectly circular and perfectly undisturbed, illuminated by light streaming through a perfect hole in the canopy above. The egg itself takes centre stage, beneath an awning of dripping leaves and branches, atop a flattened thicket which could almost be mistaken for a gigantic nest. The egg itself is white, eerily so, like a pearl at the centre of the biggest oyster on earth. Or, no, whiter than that. It's as white as nothing at all. An oval of blankness cut out of a pristine sheet of paper with children's scissors, or an oval cut from that same pristine paper and pasted onto the clearing with a stick of children's glue. It's only the dewdrops quivering on the white egg surface which convince Isaac that it's actually there and that it's actually a three-dimensional object. Isaac rubs his eyes. The egg is still there. The egg is still three-dimensional and the egg is still magnificent, made even more so by the dullness of the muddy browns and the muted greens around it, 
by the beads of condensation which sparkle on its white surface like diamonds. In the shaft of light streaming through the gap in the canopy above, it glitters like a Fabergé under a spotlight in a display case, although larger, much larger. This egg must be two feet tall. For the first time in weeks, Isaac feels an emotion that isn't despair. He blinks his red eyes a few times and rubs them. Hello, curiosity, old friend. With a slack mouth, Isaac peers through the branches on all sides of the clearing, looking for any clue as to the egg's origins. He looks down at the earth for enormous footprints. He looks up at the sky for the shadow of some even more enormous beast. He thinks of Jurassic Park, of the ripple made by the approaching T-Rex on the surface of a glass of water. But the clearing is dead silent, deathly still. Isaac's eyes trace a path back to the egg. He can't help it. There's something magnetic, something all-encompassing about it, as if its sheer bleached white weirdness is sucking all of the colour out of the surrounding flora. There's not a spot of dirt on it. And the size? You, you couldn't crack an egg like this with a spoon, Isaac thinks to himself. You'd need a shovel, a sledgehammer. Isaac swallows, becoming suddenly aware of his surroundings. He notices a sour taste at the back of his throat. Of all the questions posed by the egg's existence, he hasn't yet answered the most pertinent one. Where did the scream come from? Isaac glances around the clearing again. He shifts nervously from one leg to another, causing some twigs to crack beneath his feet in the process. The sound scares him into a fetal crouch. He screws his eyes shut, grabs hold of his knees, but nothing attacks. Isaac opens one eye, then the other, then creeps into hiding behind the nearest tree. He continues to scan the shadows for something large, something looming, a mother enormous enough to lay an egg like this. But every time his eyes wander, they're drawn back to the egg. Isaac saw an ostrich egg once at a farmer's market in town. This must be four, perhaps six, maybe eight times as big. It's the size of a dinosaur egg. Yet he's seen a dinosaur egg too at the Natural History Museum. That was tea-stained beige, not Tipex white. Isaac thinks about what might be lurking inside, waiting to hatch. He recalls the scream, its source still unknown. Already his memory is making the sound aggressive, not anguished. In another life, Isaac would have already been fleeing to his car. In this one, death by pterodactyl would seem mercifully quick. Isaac looks back over his shoulder, his eyes return to the egg. He wishes it were bigger, big enough to topple over and flatten him beneath its smooth white shell. What an easy way to go. If Isaac couldn't work up the courage to fall from a bridge, perhaps gravity could work its magic the other way around. If an egg falls in the woods, will it kill Isaac Addy? If Isaac Addy dies in the woods, will his misery die with him? Already the bridge seems long ago and far away. All Isaac can see now is the egg. And when he looks at it, all he can feel in place of the desire to die is its polar opposite, life and the urge to preserve it. Some prehistoric mothering instinct seems to have awakened within him. He knows the cry was a cry of hopelessness, of loss. In his heart, Isaac knows the egg has been abandoned, like him. He already knows he's going to take the egg home. Anyone else in Isaac's sodden shoes would feel the same. What's he supposed to do? 
Leave it to be gouged by foxes and pecked at by owls. Isaac isn't even aware that he's moved, but it seems that his legs, so reluctant to carry him before, have pulled him out from behind the tree and deposited him in the middle of the clearing. Now he finds himself standing over the egg, swaying unsteadily, squinting between the trees for the telltale sign of an accusing maternal talon. Now Isaac's clearing his throat. Take the egg, his subconscious urges him. So, after one last glance over his shoulder, Isaac bends down and picks up the egg. It's lighter than he'd expected, softer too. Its exterior isn't hard and cold like the shell of any normal egg. It's soft and wet like a ball of freshly proved dough. A boiled egg. It does, indeed, feel shelled. Despite the dewy exterior, it radiates an inner heat that could only come from something living. This heat ignites something in Isaac, a latent muscle memory. It feels, to his touch, less like an egg found on a forest floor and more like a a hot water bottle in a fluffy cover. What makes him think of this? Isaac is 29 years old and hasn't had need of a fluffy hot water bottle for at least 20 of those years. Why the intrusion? It's her, of course. It's always her. While Isaac runs hot, it's she who runs. It was she who ran. Cold. She had a hot water bottle in a fluffy cover. It lay between them in bed. An awful sensation grips Isaac, one he's starting to recognise. It feels as if the forest floor is giving way beneath his feet, as if every tree around him has suddenly been wrenched from the ground, as if everything on the whole earth has been flattened, except for Isaac, and he's been left with nothing but a wide expanse of nothingness which rips through him, with the force of a thousand winter winds, of a thousand icy rivers. Imagine all of this, contained within one body. It starts with a tremor in his gut, as if his stomach has reached the highest point of the upper atmosphere and has nowhere to go but down. Then, with a lurch, down it goes. His heart drops with it. Everything inside him is dropping, his very core collapsing beneath him, and he's struggling to breathe. Gravity is certainly working against Isaac now. In the middle of the clearing, he's too far away from the tree against which he'd steadied himself before. Isaac gasps as if he's drowning, choking as if all of the air has been sucked out of the clearing. He drops to his knees. He does not drop the egg. If anything, he's clutching it harder than before. What am I doing? Isaac asks himself, his breath catching in his throat and his blood clotting in his veins. He kneels in a ruined suit, in a sodden clearing, in a strange wood, cradling an enormous white egg, he found on the forest floor, trying his hardest to breathe again. What am I going to do? So what would you do in that situation? I think I know what I would do. This is this has got me all over it, this situation. If I discovered a two foot tall egg in the forest, I would wrap myself around it, hug it, whisper gently to it and then try and find a way of getting it home and if I couldn't get it home I'd probably just sit on it there and that's maybe a visual that you don't need. Anyway, I hope that we have got you over your scepticism about 
a book about an egg because it's really a book about friendship um, and a book about finding your way through grief. This is one of those books that book clubs are loving and book bloggers are loving too. So it's not just me that loves it or the salon. Podcast alumnus Kate Sawyer has praised the book, calling it Just Magic, and you can read Kate's reading of The Stranding in a past episode. And as ever, you can find us wherever you get your podcast love. We are in all those places. A big thank you to Bobby Palmer for his exclusive reading for the Literary Salon. Isaac and the Egg is published by Headline and it's available now in all good bookshops. Bobby's got loads of events coming up, so we've supplied some links if you'd like to meet him in person. I'd be really grateful if you could keep sharing our episodes with your friends. It is so lovely to hear from new Salonistas and to hear from people who have had episodes and got back into reading again. It makes all the difference to me. So thank you so much for getting in touch and for recommending our podcast. Thank you for listening and join us again soon.